Kia ora, welcome into another edition of The Front Row. Boy, oh boy, there's been uh, a lot to get stuck into today. A lot already happened in the World Cup. We are a week into the tournament. What a week it's been. We've seen an All Blacks win and a pretty dominant one at that. We've seen some mixed form from the other fancy nations, though. In an upset, of course, last night. Uruguay beating Fiji. How good was that? But... The big one, probably, ref controversies. We'll get to that a little bit later on and we'll hear from some of the key protagonists in Japan. We'll also cross over there and chat to our usual host, Kimberly Downs, along with Scotty Stevenson. But with me in studio right now for the duration of the show, former All Black and Spark Sport analyst John Preston and One News, my colleague, Stephen Stewart. Thanks for joining me, lads. Uh, we might as well start with that All Blacks test. I suppose it's what everyone here wants to talk about anyway. Uh, John, we'll start with you. What, what, what did you make of that performance? I think for the first 20, they seemed quite rattled and under pressure and then just seemed to go from there. Oh, yeah, I think you have to hand that to the South African performance as well, don't you? I mean, they were. it was always going to be the clash of the Titans, two of the probably most favoured sides in the... Uh, in the tournament, so South Africans came out firing. Um, New Zealand expected that, and they weathered that storm, and then finally got into their game. And um, clearly, their, their uh, some of their strategies and tactics worked particularly well around their kick game. I think they uh, they targeted a few players and managed to um, kick in areas that kept the or reduced the effectiveness of the South African return kicking game as well. Stephen, uh, the rush defence early on really seemed to work for the South Africa and, and Sever Reese a few times just running all over the place trying to get the All Blacks out of a hole. What, what did they change to turn things around the All Blacks in, in that regard, do you think? They knew that was coming, didn't they? They knew to expect that rush defence. And I think, the, what about that crossfield kick, the classic mm. case? Uh, Mawanga to, uh, as you say, Sever Reese. That was, did you see that coming? <laughs> but what worried me was that South Africa got within four in the second half. I got a little bit anxious. I thought, is this New Zealand earlier on in the season when they came back and drew? They didn't score a try in the second half, but they won. I mean, that's all you need to do in the first round is win, I guess, isn't it? As Absolutely. long as you win, Absolutely. you move on. You know, if, sure, they didn't get a bonus point, but it's just about winning that first match. Well, as an All Blacks fan, John, how impressed or otherwise were you about the whole performance? I mean, they've got past probably their toughest pool test in World Cup history uh, and are now in a pretty good position to go deep into this tournament. Yeah, I was impressed. No, I was impressed, as I said, with the plans um, and weathering what was always going to be an absolute onslaught. Um, I think at times we just get perhaps a lot ahead of ourselves about how much better the All Blacks are than everyone else. Um, there's not a lot in it. You know, Zealand, it. it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we've seen it throughout the year, and particularly at World Cups, you see it in big games as well. So, I mean, what a massive encounter for a first up in a World Cup. Don't get that too often. Could easily, people would say, be the final. Um, and hey, might be yet, who knows. Uh, but, yeah, no, so all in all, first up performance, one that, yeah, they desperately wanted to win to get on track. Pretty tough if you don't. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I just want to, just before we hear from Steve Hansen, just quickly, off the back of that, how tough is this draw for the All Blacks in the sense they had to peak straight away? They've now got three games where they probably don't need to even go 60 or 70% to beat the next three oppositions, then peak again for the quarterfinals and on. How tough is that, do you think, in a World Cup format? Oh, yeah, look, it's not easy, but they know that from very early on uh, and they plan around that. Um, ideally, you might be able to work into the tournament a wee bit more, as you're alluding to, with maybe some of the other pool games first and build up to maybe the South Africa at the end. Uh, but you, you get what you get and you've got to deal with that. Um, and that's why, again, I go back to the fact that for a first-up performance, it was pretty, pretty impressive. All right, well, here's what coach Steve Hansen had to say after that first-up 23-13 win over the Springboks. I mean, we won, didn't we? So you've got to be happy with that. Uh, were we perfect? No. But you're never, you're never going to be. 
uh, this stage of the tournament, and, uh, but there's still, you know, there's plenty of stuff we can work on. But the boys showed a lot of fortitude and didn't get too many opportunities when we took them. When, you know, most of them when they came and, and we scrambled really well when they, they had opportunities themselves. So both those areas are really important to us. That's All Blacks coach Steve Hansen after the win over the Springboks. Our team in Japan are well in the swing of it. Let's go over to Japan and hear what Kimberly Downs and Scotty Stevenson have been up to in Tokyo. Konnichiwa and welcome back to Tokyo from the front row team here in Japan. What a first few days of the Rugby World Cup it has been here. First and foremost, Scotty Stevenson, All Blacks, right? We've got to talk them first. What impressed you most about that performance on Saturday? Their ability to score a lot of points in a very short space of time. Absorbed a lot of pressure from South Africa early, Kim, as we saw, and then found a way through the defence and a way to set up their plays. The Richie moanga Bowden barrett combination, I think we saw how chaotic that can be for defensive lines. And when they're used to one playmaker, the rush works really, really well. When you put two in the, in the front line against those defensive systems, it's a very different story. And South Africa were guilty of making some really poor decisions on defence. We saw that in the lead-up to the George Bridge try in particular. A really important game for them, obviously, considering who they've now got coming up in the pool. Italy, Canada, Namibia. This short of the upset of the century means that they will finish top of their pool. How relieved do you think they are that they got that one in the bag? I think massively relieved, especially the pressure they were undergoing into this tournament. A lot of people had looked at South Africa and said, oh, I think South Africa are going to win that game. I don't think they gave the All Blacks enough credit, personally, about what they're capable of when they get their game going. Uh, but they certainly showed that they're capable of beating any team here. South Africa is a good side, uh, and we've seen in the aftermath of that victory just how their fans have reacted to that all-black performance <laughs> and the Springbok loss. Uh, it just goes to show that uh, the all-blacks aren't the only team here with very passionate fans. Passionate, that is a great word for it. Now, another word that was being tossed around prior to this game was vulnerable, particularly from a few, you know, Northern Hemisphere scribes, uh, saying that the All Blacks, this was the chance to strike because the team did not look as dominant, perhaps, as the one that won in 2015. Do you think that they watched that game and the Northern Hemisphere teams, particularly the ones who are contenders for this World Cup, watched that game and just thought, oh, crap, here we go again? Well, the, what I've seen of, the, of those teams that have all been favoured coming in here, I mean, Wales looked strong at certain points in the Georgia match. England looked uh, well within themselves against Tonga, if you're to be completely honest, but they just didn't look like they were in harmony for long periods of that game. That's got to be a concern for Eddie Jones. Uh, Ireland were far too good for Scotland, probably the most disappointing of the big teams here at this World Cup in their opening fixture. Yes, I think a lot of teams will look at the All Blacks and say they're still the pace setters in so many ways. And don't forget, there is a phony war that goes with every World Cup. Everyone's looking for a chink in the armour, especially when you're the two-time defending champion. So it's no surprise to me that that was the rhetoric leading into the first game. Has that changed since? I would think so a little, but it's been dialed down. Yeah, certainly has been. How reminiscent for you is this of 2015? Because you remember in 2015 the All Blacks faced Argentina first up. Then they had three, you don't want to call them dud games, but games that did not pose quite as many challenges uh, shall we say. They used that to build a base for the quarterfinal. There was all sorts of chat about war, uh, concern about them being underdone going into the quarterfinals. I 
if you recall 2015, they put 60 points on the French, so it didn't seem to be too much of a worry. What do you think their approach will be this time around, going into this quarterfinal, or the next three weeks, just about kind of putting down a base, getting some good hard training sessions, and training sessions that, in all likelihood, with some of the competition, may actually be harder than some of the games? Well, I, th- I think so, Kim. I mean, that's the nature of the draw, and that's the benefit of being the top qualifier, as the All Blacks mm. were, heading into this World Cup cycle. So they do get an easier pull in some respects. So it is a time when they will go away to their training base and they're in Noeta at the moment and they'll work hard on what they need to work on from that South African game. I still think that they showed some vulnerability, uh, especially when Sam Kane left the field, didn't come back on in the second half and South Africa had a good 15-20 minutes in that second half where they made a lot of ground around the edge. That's where Sam Kane operates defensively and him not being out there on the park I think showed that the All Blacks are a little bit soft around that edge still and that's been a concern for theirs for a couple of years. They'll work on that at training and you're right about 2015 that's exactly what they did. They trained super hard over the first three weeks of the tournament by the time it came to the quarterfinal they were ready to go. When you look as well I suppose at the areas of vulnerability that did actually come up in that All Blacks performance the coaches themselves have acknowledged that wasn't perfect and perhaps some of the decision making from some of the players was lacking somewhat something else that they will be working on going forward but outside of that who impressed you the most from that All Blacks performance? Oh, Anton Leonard-Brown I thought was superb. Sensational. Uh, The guy's got such a great vision for the game and his fitness levels are through the roof. I thought Richie Mwanga had some really deft touches. Bowden Barrett is still one of the greats in world rugby and his impact on that game cannot be denied. When he decides to get involved, his involvement counts and that's what they're looking for from Bowden Barrett. Yes, he's a playmaker. He sees himself as a 10. So when he takes his opportunities in the front line, it causes chaos. And I remember saying that in the commentary. It is chaos when Moanga and Barrett are operating either side of the ruck. So they were good. Scott Barrett, I think, was outstanding. And remember, we've gone into this World Cup with Brodie Retallick under a massive injury crowd. We are looking for someone to fill the shoes of Brodie Retallick. To watch Scotty Barrett striding up for that first try, uh, it just showed that he's not far off the, off the benchmark that Retallick has set. Yeah, he could use some work on the diving skills at the end there. Though. He cops up for that. <laughs> Anton Leonard-Brown was right into him about the old man dive. Um, we have also seen, just to finish off with now, all the teams play from Pool A. That's the one that the All Blacks cross over in the quarterfinals. Uh, at this stage, you would suggest that, as pre-tournament predictions went, that Ireland probably will end up on top after that performance against Scotland. Who do you think will come second in that pool and therefore end up crossing over with the ABs? Well, Scotland have got to be in full siege mode at the moment because uh, they were torn to shreds by their press back home after that opening loss to Ireland. Uh, Japan have been talked up and they also had some issues with their opening game against Russia where they said they were late to the game, they had traffic issues, so they didn't say anything at the time, but that may have been a factor. And nerves too would account for plenty. Uh, but Samoa last night after... Uh, a pretty ragged first half to put six tries on Russia and they are currently top of the pool by virtue of a one-point advantage on points differential over Ireland. Uh, I don't think Samoa should be counted out here. If they can get their discipline under control and if they can get their game going and expansive, then they're going to be a handful for any team. For what it's worth, and I won't use all of the um, same level of, I guess, validation justification, but I still think it's going to be Japan, or maybe that's just my heart speaking over my head. Uh, That is it, though, for us now here in Japan for the front row. Join you again next week. Well, great to hear that Scotty and Kim are alive and well over in Japan. All the main contenders have played their opening fixture now in this World Cup, so what have we learnt? Well, England laboured past Tonga. Australia were tested for large parts of their win over Fiji. Wales looked OK against Georgia, while Ireland, they were probably the most impressive in a comprehensive win over Scotland. Ireland coach Joe Schmidt had this to say after his side's 27-3 victory. 
I was delighted with all 23. I think one of the things that sometimes happens is you build a lead and then you lose a, lose a bit of cohesion when guys start filtering in and out. I didn't really detect that that happened. When you build the pressure that we did, I, I, I think you're right. I think it is very much a collective performance. Stephen, are they New Zealand's toughest test after what we saw, in, if we're just judging on what we've seen so far? I was telling everyone I thought England could win the World Cup before that opening round. I cannot see England winning the World Cup now. Ireland, yes, their forwards were so good. South African forwards, a real mix of imports, but they totally dominated from, from the get-go. Their backs were efficient. Uh, they lost Bundy Key. it didn't matter. Johnny Sexton had a bit of a groin problem, didn't matter. Chia was a convincing start. I know they always beat Scotland. You know, Scotland struggled to score tries, especially at the World Cup, but... Boy, I was impressed. I'm now thinking Ireland is the pick, obviously, of the European nations. Uh, they were number one going into that match. Then they got taken over by the All Blacks, but, gee, they were good. I mean, faultless in the forwards, I thought. That, outstanding. Well, just off the back of that and, and around that pool, Scotland, as we say, pretty terrible. Uh, Japan, they've been OK, and Samoa scraped through over Russia, but that, that second spot in that pool seems wide open now. Yeah, it does. Um, I think Scotland will get better. I thought Ireland were outstanding on the night. Um, tactically, they knew if they just shut down those Scottish threats, particularly Russell and Hogg, then tough game for them. Uh, totally dominated up front, as you say, and they played extremely narrow game, both attack and defence, I thought, and just, just uh, not allowing Scotland any space or time to open up the game, which is what they wanted. Conditions then helped. Uh, started to rain as well. Um, and they were just there, back to their ultimate efficiency of, of the island of old, which is a little bit scary when you think about finals time too, because that's what finals rugby tends to be about. We just heard from Stephen about what he thought of England. Uh, they play the United States tonight. What, what did you make of their first up performance? They obviously won convincingly in the end, but geez, it took them a while to, yeah. to get going. Yeah, a bit average. Um, they won't be 100% happy, but you know, first out hit up for them, uh, not quite so much riding on it. Probably always knew they were, they were going to win that one. Um, and they'll get it a lot better yet. So it's a bit too early to write them off, I think. <laughs> all right, well, I think we've all been waiting for to talk about this, and it is the biggest controversy, I think, of the tournament so far. I think we can probably all say that. The referees, or the inconsistency of the referees. It probably wouldn't be a World Cup without some bleating about their performances. But World Rugby have opened that debate further by taking the rather unusual step of calling out their own officials and essentially saying... They need to be a lot better. We'll get our experts' thoughts on it very thought shortly. But first, here's a quick look at one of the most contentious incidents involving Reese Hodge in that Wallabies win over Fiji. They lead by eight. The margins back to four. They go short, and here he is again. Yatov to take that game plan into against. No, I think Fiji's quite happy in the game being broken up, but there was that short line-out throw to Pathili Yato. He's beaten everything. So there is a change. It's a HIA substitution, Pathili Yato. Hodge has since been handed a, a three-game suspension overnight. He wasn't punished at all on the field. Uh, what did John, what did you make of that tackle, just seeing it? there right now. Yeah, I think the, his problem was it was uh, shoulder contact to the head. That was the first contact, I think. Um, you have to almost stop it and mm. see the real close-up to see that. But um, I think everyone knows, every team knows coming to this tournament now that um, contact to the head, 
other than the arms or anything else that's, uh, well, not even the arms, is that you're going to get a card mm. one way or another. So referee, probably the way that the incident played out as well, Yato's such a big, powerful man. <laughs> Hodge was sort of um, reacting and trying to defend his line. It doesn't quite look so bad in, in full speed at the time, I don't believe. But when you have another look and see the, the elements involved in the tackle and you look at the laws, that's the result, unfortunately. Well, he tried to wrap his... It seemed like he tried to wrap his arms around and he just got the shoulder first. Oh. Part of me thinks it was a little, possibly a little bit harsh compared to particularly what height, we saw though. in that year height. And I know we've got to yeah. crack down on, on head injuries and that sort of stuff, and it is yeah. the rules, you did right. But I think we could possibly expect some bigger suspensions for some Samoan players from that one mm. over Russia. Some of those tackles were... And two key players as well. They, can't, they haven't got the depth to lose players like Ray Lilo and Motu Matu. They're key men, they're hard men. They both went off in the space of 90 seconds. I mean... I'll be really worried about how long they're going to get after that if he's got three weeks. Yeah, yeah, it could be a real problem for Samoa. And as you say, based on that footage there and what we saw with the Samoan tackles, it's not looking good. Well, should we be worried about the referees going forward or do you think this is this will sort itself out? Oh, <laughs> everyone knew coming into the tournament <laughs> and that, that's the game. It just happens from time to time. You know, everyone's trying to make aggressive tackles and in that case it was trying to make a try-saving tackle against a, a monster of a man. But unfortunately... You just can't go there. Um, and if you're going to go there, you're going you're to risk what happens. There will be a red card. Maybe Tonga Argentina. What do you reckon? We've got that one live on Saturday afternoon. Is that this your pick? Putting right. it out there. All right, well, we'll leave it there. That's all that we have time for on the front row this week. Two games tonight. Uh, the United States taking on England and Italy up against uh, Canada. Excuse me. You enjoy your rugby viewing. Go the All Blacks. We'll be back here next week again on the front row.